Hello everyone and welcome to the Mandolin Minute. As some of you may recall, I had previously done an episode on copyright. There's so much to the topic that I thought I would make another one, and a recent events in the news make it a timely topic. So now, uh, copyright protection is important for small creators, not just for Mickey Mouse. Of course, I'm referring to the fact that every time Mickey Mouse risks entering the public domain, Disney gets the government to extend copyright another couple of decades. In this, I'm not in agreement. I think 90 years or wherever it's at now is way too long a time to wait. Uh, some of the later Sherlock Holmes stories are still under copyright nearly a hundred years later, though the character himself is in the public domain by now. You can, though, get works still under copyright in one country which have lapsed in others, like in Gutenberg.org's Australia site where it's like 50 years or something, and uh, as a result countries are trying to consolidate copyright into an international standard. So, as some may be aware, recently the European Union passed the Article 13 Copyright Bill, now Article 17, I believe, if I read this right, uh, which some people are warning will break the internet. I've heard these warnings before, and the internet is still here. I don't know all about the specifics of this law, but I'd caution against jumping on the bandwagon of hating everything about it. There's evidence that Google has set up bots to flood European lawmakers with protest emails. Uh, Google stands to gain a lot from lax copyright laws, given that they control access to a lot of the world's data, which they can monetize access to, and Facebook as well, and some other uh, notable companies that have all kind of joined in an umbrella organization to fight these bills. Um, they've apparently set up astroturf organizations to protest these laws, albeit unsuccessfully since the law did pass just recently, actually today as I'm recording this. Uh, apparently this was so obvious to the recipients of the mass emails as to be ineffective. In fact, people voted for the law to spite the astroturf organizations. Now, uh, astroturf in this context is a funny term I came across recently where, you know, grassroots organizations are from honest and humble origins. Astroturf orgs are the fake version of that, lobbying on behalf of big corporate interests disguised as from grassroots origins. So what we have here really is Disney versus Google and uh, pretty much all of us caught in the middle. So protecting your own interests is the best policy in my humble opinion. On my previous podcast episode on copyright, I had covered a tune which I suspected might end up in a takedown notice. 
uh, so far there's been no takedown notice and this could be the result of not me not being on anybody's radar this being a tiny podcast after all uh, though I have dug deeper into this and I probably won't get a takedown notice knock on wood most creators don't mind if someone does a not-for-profit cover of their songs uh, one exception is Super Tramp. If you cover their songs on a YouTube video, you will get a takedown notice. This happened to a friend of mine who's a guitar teacher. He posted a recital of his students, and one of them did a Super Tramp, a Super Tramp cover, which was flagged and removed. So, uh, long story short, other than Super Tramp, if you cover someone's song for non-commercial purposes, you're probably in the clear. But I'm not a lawyer, so don't take my word on that. For a primer on copywriting your own tracks, I'll add a link to uh, an episode of The Future of What. It's a podcast from the perspective of an indie label, which is definitely worth checking out. Uh, they did this one on copyright pertaining mostly to U.S. law, but it's probably portable to other countries as well, uh, which might be of interest to you. If uh, you go to the 19-minute mark in that episode, that's where the meat really starts, and uh, it talks about self-releasing, which in today's gig economy is becoming very relevant. So that's the future of what episode on copyright, called Copyright 101, and I will link that in the show notes. Uh, for an ind independent creator trying to protect a work from being vacuumed up by big data, or, you know, anyone else for that matter, and monetized, it's an, essen an essential protection. And they go into that uh, in, the, uh, in the episode. Okay, so that was a lot of information. I have enough to do a third episode on copyright, uh, which I probably won't cover those topics today. So if you'd rather not hear about this, let me know either through a voice message on anchor.fm or in uh, a text at uh, ron underscore mckinnon on Twitter. But it is a topic that I find very fascinating and I do understand both sides both points of view which makes it a nuanced topic that you know isn't black or white it's more like a gray over a grayer gray maybe for a future episode on copyright I'll go through the process of copywriting something and talk about that process I live in Canada so the process is likely a bit different than in other countries but there's probably some overlap there and I think I can probably record something and copyright it in another country. So I'm not too sure how that works, but maybe I will look into that and do a follow-up show. And I'd have to pick something that's worth recording and practice it a lot and record it properly instead of just like on a basement microphone. All right, so for this week's performance, I will pick something irrelevant to the topic at hand since it's uh, so old as to be in the public domain.
That was a minuet by Johann Sebastian Bach. I play the melody on a regular-sized mandolin, and for the first time playing counterpoint on an octave mandolin. And I combine them digitally afterwards. So, well, let me know what you think, and I can be reached on anchor.fm, the Mandolin Minute podcast, for voice messages, or you can text me at ron underscore mckinnon on Twitter. Until next time.